to the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world and making suicide a thing of the past. We are here to have a lot of fun and to share with you something really amazing. Why? Because I want to introduce you to someone. This, and I hope you can see, there we go. This is, we're going to be talking with Elizabeth. And she said, Jackie, don't try to pronounce my last name. Anya Bor is as close as I can get, but she'll tell you. And we're going to talk about perfectionism. And with Elizabeth, her take on perfectionism is a journey worth sharing. And that's why we have her on the show. So Elizabeth, I know you're in the studio. Please bring yourself on camera. Let's make sure that we can hear you. Hello, hello, Elizabeth. Can hello. you turn on your camera and join me in the studio? <laughs> I hear your voice. We're making progress. Yeah, it says I can't start my video. Okay, just a second. I know what that Let's issue is. <laughs> and either Katie and Katie may not be able to fix it, come to think of it. So here we go. Just a second. Um, I think I need to be the host host to do it because yeah, I realized I can't. So that's okay. We're going to just promote Elizabeth and then I'll promote you, Katie. Oh, there I am. So <laughs> Katie, you have to text me which one you want me to promote. Hi. Hi. So just in case anybody had any doubts, this is a live show. So what you all saw is what happens on a live show. So the elephant that's in the room is, yes, this is live. And I just got told that my audio was low. So I'm going to work on that. And Elizabeth, while I try to fix my audio. Oh, I see. There we go. I hope that's better. While I work on that, let's, let's share everybody where you are right now and then how we got to know each other. Okay. Um, I live in Nigeria and I have no idea how how the internet's going to be or how my voice is going to be. So we pre-recorded some things. Um, we got your back. If the internet goes out, we've got Elizabeth for everybody. <laughs> Do you hear the honking outside? Like somebody's just honking. <laughs> anyway, in Nigeria um, and moved here 10 years ago because this is where my husband is from. And the last name is pronounced Onyabo. And it took me 10 years to learn how to say that <laughs> properly. That's true love. <laughs> and, you know, I want to say something you said earlier about self-sacrifice when it comes to suicide. Mm. Because I remember some of the things that were going through my head. And I thought, you know, that was the idea of self-sacrifice because in my mind, I thought I was such a failure that my family would be better off without me. And that I just realized is really this kind of self-sacrifice idea. And it hadn't even occurred to me until you started talking about these things. And, and so, now of course, the other one was, you know, I felt like such a failure, but <laughs> so 
so I had these two opposing kind of things going on, but one was actually a self-sacrifice deal. So let's talk about it and let's bring everybody into the story. So Elizabeth, who are you and what were you a failure at? Okay, well, I am now the Chief Ease of Excellence Officer of the Habitual Happiness Hub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Chief Ease Excellence Officer. Ease of Excellence. Ease yes. of Excellence CEO. Officer. There we go. Okay, and, and I love the Happiness Hub. I mean, the Habitual Happiness Hub. Right, because happiness is a practice for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I'll take you way back um, when it wasn't, and I, and I wasn't. And this, the, my journey really crescendoed, or shall I say the bottom fell out in 2012. And um, I was 50. And I remember it wasn't, it wasn't a night so different from many other nights. And um, I just remembered that my ideal situation, and, and just to give you context, I had been living in Nigeria for two years. My children were grown, they were adults. My youngest was 20. Um, so we had, you know, the empty nest, but we had been planning to move to Nigeria for quite some time. So, uh, and I had a new job and um, I was living in Lagos at the time that has about 20 million people. And I had a fantastic position and making great money. And like from the outside to anybody looking at me, it looked like I had an almost perfect life. I had a car and driver at my disposal. I had this five bedroom house in Lagos. I had, you know, this really wonderful job. I was taking business class trips to the headquarters in Europe, but I took a family trip back to the US to see the kids, see my sisters and brothers and have a family reunion. And I remember I was in, in my house in the US and things just didn't go the way I had wanted because I had very specific expectations as a perfectionist. I had the way I wanted things to go on that trip. And, and they'd started out actually pretty good but this night, just something didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And when my world seemed to crash around me, I crashed. And I fell on my kitchen floor. And I howled like a banshee. And in that moment, all my hope just exhaled from my body. I curled into fetal position. They tell me, but I don't remember. Somebody in my family tried to help me up and I just swatted them away like I was a six-year-old kid. And I mean, in that moment, I was like, 
well, it can't get any worse than this. And I had been struggling and I didn't know that I had been struggling. So here's the irony is it wasn't until I started having suicidal ideation that I started thinking about, am I struggling with depression? I don't know. Is it my Hashimoto's thyroiditis that I had been um, diagnosed with two years before? Um, was it empty nester? Was it new job, new uh, location? Um, you know, like there were so many things going on. Um, please don't, it, don't let it be me. Ah. Right? Because as a perfectionist, that striving to be perfect. I mean, I didn't want it to be my fault because if it was me, if it wasn't circumstances, if it wasn't other people, then something was wrong with me and I didn't want something to be wrong with me. And that was my, I'm, but at the same time, so it's kind of a, a real juxtaposition, I thought everything was wrong with me, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't doing things right, that any mistake I made meant I was a failure. So I had these two kind of opposite ends going on. And uh, <coughs> 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 then, so that night I was like, it can't get any worse. And I had that thought, my family would be better off than without me. I'm a horrible mother. I failed my children. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good boss, all of this stuff. And I don't know how I did it because I really don't remember getting up off the floor. I remember the floor mm -hmm. and I remember being in front of the computer in the master bedroom. And I remember getting on a site called lostallhope.com and I started reading the guy's story and I thought, wow, this guy really understands the hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And I read and I read and I was looking for ways to end my pain. And, um, you know, going to sleep forever sounded nice because I just wanted the pain to end and I wanted a painless, like, as a perfectionist, I was looking for the perfect way, okay? <laughs> I put my research skills into gear. I, um, I started analyzing and, and all of that. But then on this website, he started talking about statistics and how most people are not successful and how when they attempt some, some form of death by suicide, they are maimed or, you know, for life or, you know, terrible consequences. And, and I remember thinking, well, damn, I already feel like a failure at life. I don't want to screw up my death too. And then, or my attempt at death, right? And then if, like, if I fail at that, then like, that would be, that would be even worse. Like I thought it couldn't be worse, but okay. 
it could be worse. <laughs> like I could totally botch up my painless passing. And that's why I say perfectionism saved me because if I couldn't do my death perfectly, I did not want to do it at all. Now, <laughs> yeah, I love, right I love your vulnerability and sharing that because that is just perfect. Yeah, perfect for the perfectionist, right? And, and so that, that in and of itself, and by the way, this is part of the mindset of us who are perfectionists. And those of you who are not perfectionists, you will not understand this. But those of you who are perfectionists, you'll be like, oh, holy hell, like I, I totally get that. We oh, want wait, to wait, wait, wait. You just set this up as the perfect perfectionist test. So everybody can go to the chat and go, I get it or I don't get it. This is great. Okay, lay it on us. Come on. Okay, so either you want to do it to a certain standard, you know, whatever you call perfect or, you know, that high standard that we have as perfectionists. Or if you don't think you can do that standard, you don't want to do it at all. Like you don't even want to start it. Ooh, okay. It's kind well, of like, yeah. I mean, here's, here's a far less extreme example, which is, I can't tell you the number of perfectionists that say to me, well, I'm not a perfectionist about keeping my house clean. And I just laugh because, you know, they're like, well, you know, you have to give me 30 minutes warning before you come over. And I'm like, but orderliness has no correlation to perfectionism because what happens is we'll say something like, okay, today, well, my bathroom is kind of like getting grody. So here, let me just take a few minutes and clean. And then three hours later, when we've got the toothbrush out and we're cleaning the grout and like, we just go to the nth degree, but it started out with, oh, maybe I should just kind of swish around the toilet, you know? So, <laughs> So it's going like to the nth degree to this like perspective of perfection or we don't want to do it at all. So, you know, and for another month, the bathroom could be sitting there untouched. <laughs> all right. So um, the, someone said, I don't get it, but my wife sure does. So <laughs> we have some perfectionist projection going on here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about what happened next. That that night you decided if I can't do this right, if I can, if it's not 100% guaranteed that I'm going to be perfect at taking my own life, I'm not going to touch that. What did you go to next? Yeah, so, well, by the way, my family discovered, because I left the website open, and that led to a whole series of conversations. And then, and then they really understood how, how much in despair I was. And they, then they could start catching me when I started getting these looks. I mean, this far away look in my eyes. And um, anyway, so I then put my, and this is a second way that perfectionism actually saved me because I went into overdrive because I started doing assessments and, and all of these things. And 
And I started reading my um, teenage journals and I hadn't kept journals for years, but I did keep them when I was a teenager. And I noticed a pattern, lonely, sad, depressed. I'm writing these things at one in the morning, midnight, two in the morning, three in the morning. I'm taking seven classes instead of the normal six, sometimes eight. I'm on the honor roll. I'm, you know, uh, a teacher says, oh, look, you got straight A's. And I say to him, no, I didn't. You gave me an A minus. You know? <laughs> um, I'm trying so hard to be this, you know, perfect person to earn love. And I didn't realize that was what I was trying to do. But <clears throat> so I go back and I, I, I realized that I've been struggling for decades and I didn't know because I kept myself so busy as an achiever because perfectionists, we've got our to-do list and we go on to the next thing and we keep ourselves busy because it's almost like being um, a hamster on a wheel of accomplishment. Like, let me just get to the next thing and 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 the next thing. And, next thing, and, then, and, then, and then we just lay on the wheel and go, why am I so burnt out? Man, I'm not doing anything. I'm such a failure right now. Because if we're not doing, if we're not human doing, we don't think we're worth anything. So I read books, took assessments, talked to people. I tried to get a therapist, but I was living in Nigeria and um, I couldn't get remote therapy at the time uh, from the US. And I ended up doing the exercises that in these self-help books that I read, instead of just, you know, flipping through and say, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. No, I actually did the exercises. And, and then I would say about a year into this, I started writing poetry. Now, I don't know where it came from, but I realized I wasn't allowing myself to express my emotion. And I read something or heard something that said, depression is suppression and anger turned inward. And so poetry allowed me to express my emotions. Cool. That's and really cool. So I'm, I'm, going, I'm just going to highlight this because it sounds like it was a real shift in how you saw yourself. That, that maybe being a poet is not how you would have described yourself. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I would have said, I am very logical. I'm pragmatic, right? Helpful, because by the way, perfectionists are people pleasers. Um, we're some of the first to volunteer for, for stuff. Um, but it's all to try and fill that void that we have with never feeling good enough. Like it's a constant striving to, um, to make things perfect, but never feeling that those things or us are good enough. 
and poetry was really the first thing that happened and it just it came out of the blue I would have never called myself a poet I would have never called myself creative even I I thought that was other people I I thought I mean I was you know, envious that other people were passionate and creative. I came from, or I come from a very creative family, very talented. And I just figured I was number six, I was last and everybody else got it, not me. So everybody else is creative. I'm not. All of a sudden you're writing poetry. I have to and ask. Who, who did you share your poetry with first? Uh, well, the very first person I showed my poems with was my husband. And then I shared with my kids and friends and family. And they were very encouraging. I mean, I thought it was just really amateurish and ridiculous, but it felt good. So I shared it. And I was kind of excited that at the possibility that I could do something creative. And... Um, and so I really appreciate how supportive they were. And you would think that after I had written about 70 poems, I might actually accept my creativity, but no, because <laughs> they were not good enough. <laughs> the perfect poem had yet to be written. I get it. <laughs> right. So... Uh, but, you know, this idea to toyed in my head about, well, maybe, maybe I should publish them, but the thought of it was too overwhelming because this all or nothing thinking is a perfectionist. You know, either I wanted to have this really beautiful poetry book, or I couldn't do it at all. And so I didn't do it, and I continued writing poetry, but a friend wrote a book, and... Um, and I was like, well, wait a minute, where did that come from? I didn't know that you were interested in writing a book. Like it happened so fast, it caught me off guard. And she told me how she'd done it and how she used a writing coach. And, and, um, and so I thought, well, maybe I could do that too. Mm -hmm. And so I bought the book and followed the exercises. And then I, I actually wrote the first manuscript of my book in um, a weekend that I set aside and discovered, oh, I'm not writing a piece of fiction like I thought I was. I wrote all about my journey into and out of depression. You know, you <laughs> don't know the last thing I thought I was gonna write about. <laughs> yeah, I, as an author, I so get it. I don't know what I'm gonna write about until I actually finish writing and go back and read it. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of an out-of-body experience for me. Uh, right. Sometimes it's really pretty amazing. So I highly encourage people to allow themselves to see themselves as creative, Elizabeth, and not wait until they have gone through this uptick that you had to go through to find oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll give you, a, a, anybody who's listening right now, um, a little tip. Just like Jackie said. I don't know what I'm going to write. And guess what? It doesn't matter. What matters is that you just allow whatever comes. Because I can't tell you how many things that, that I wrote and I looked at it after I wrote it. And I was like, 
And then I go back and look at it and I go, oh my goodness, this is gold. <laughs> like it just needs a little polish, you know? So when I sit down to write, I actually say, I am ready, open, and willing to invite whatever wants to be explored, what wants, what wants to be written now. Well, that's lovely. That's lovely. Okay, so so you shared your tip. I'll share mine about writing. I have I have mine is a little shorter, and that's me. I try to be concise. Here we go. Whatever I write is going to be good enough. Ah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. So so I, there's I some good enough things going in here on here because. Mine was, I didn't know what I was going to write and I was worried it would be good enough. So I want to invite an exploration and you're mm -hmm. like, whatever I write is going to be good enough. Excellent. <laughs> so over time, I've now created seven happy habits um, that I follow. And that's why I say um, I created the Habitual Happiness Hub because I practice these things um, that help keep me grounded. And I have never experienced so much joy in my life as, as I have in the last six years. Before you take us down the road of your seven habits, what is a hub? What is the habitual happiness hub? Is this a collection? You know, what, I mean, I'm like, what is it? Is this a school? Is this a collection of teachings? You know, what is the hub? Well, it's just the name of the business and I don't know oh. what it wants to be when it grows up yet because it's still in its infancy stages. But the first aspect of it is that um, it's, it's, the, it's the gathering place for perfectionists, I guess Ooh. you could say. Oh my God, a gathering place for perfectionists. I can only imagine the conversation. And, and the first conversations I've had, because I have some online courses, um, so I have the um, Pathway Beyond Perfection course, and when we get perfectionists together and they say, oh my gosh, you too? And I don't feel so alone. Wow, I thought it was only me. You know, those kind of conversations are so incredibly powerful. They really, really are. That's a huge one. I'm not alone anymore. I think is probably one of the most life affirming statements mm -hmm. we could possibly give to the world. So cool. All right, take us down. Let's go. Seven habits. What's the first one? All right. So the first, well, by the way, take out a pen and paper. There we go. Write, I warned paper, everybody. H, I got my H, notebook. A-P-P-I-E-R. Okay, along the left-hand side. That's my acronym. I'm, I like acronyms because, well, I used to cram for exams and I, I would make really weird ones up too, but I like to make ones up that make sense because people can remember them. All right, so, so the word is happier and vertically happier. on the yeah. table. Those are my seven happy habits. Yep, cool, okay. So the first one is um, healthy expression of emotions. Got it, healthy and, expression. And that's because um, I used to 
suppress my emotions. And, you know, I said how logical and pragmatic I was. And I, I have a friend who used to call me Spock. I was so logical, right? And I didn't want to be seen as an angry person. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I didn't get angry, but I didn't allow myself to experience the anger. And that means um, anger actually is a gift when it's expressed healthily because it helps us know when our boundaries are being crossed. And I, I remember taking an assessment uh, through a friend of mine and she said, oh, and I got the result back and I said, oh, wow. Like I'm in the bottom 1% for anger. I was so excited because I'm like, see, there's proof I'm not an angry person. And, and then my friend gives me the uh, interpretation of the assessment. And she says, uh, yeah, that's not what it means. It means you don't have access to your anger you are in the bottom 1% of access to anger. So 99 out of 100 people have better access to their anger than you do. And I was like, oh, crap. So I felt at that too. <laughs> so the cure for that is healthy expression of emotion. Right. Wow. So just, you know it's not good and bad. It's just information. And so this is why I like to say I'm curious and explore it. So that's the age. And to me, this is foundational because if, um, if you're like me, just when I started out in 2012, I couldn't handle overwhelming emotion. So I like to say it's like dipping your toe into, you know, one of these uh, inflatable kiddie pools, just dip your toe into the motion, just start noticing and notice how it feels in your body and things like that. Don't try to go out and surf the tsunami in the ocean of emotion. Uh-uh. That's for experienced practitioners, build <laughs> up to it, right? Those um, emotional muscles, so to speak. So the the A of happier is allow forgiveness. Now, this was a crucial part of my, my healing because I was so hard on myself. Remember I told you that I thought my family would be better off without me. I was, you know, I'd failed as a mother, failed as a wife, failed as a boss, failed, you know, I just, because that internal dialogue in my head kept telling me, how horrible I was because I wasn't perfect. And forgiveness and compassion allows us to um, be gentle. And um, the, the thing I like to say is treat yourself like you were your best friend, your best friend wouldn't say to you, oh, Elizabeth, you're so horrible. Like what kind of idiot would ever do that? Oh my God. Like 
your best friend wouldn't talk to you like that. Your best friend would say, oh, you made a mistake. Oh, don't worry. You know, like, it'll be better next time. Well, you know, they don't say like, you, you must be just the worst person in the world. <laughs> so if we treat ourselves as if we're our best friend, eventually we're going to become our best friend. And this is where that self-love comes in. Because as a perfectionist, we're, we're chasing accomplishments for fulfillment and that fulfillment doesn't come. And it feels like, well, for me, it felt like a black hole. It felt mm. like I'd have an accomplishment and it would just get sucked into that black hole and disappear. And perfectionists, we don't celebrate our accomplishments because we're on to the next one because you know, just keep getting into that black hole. But I was able to fill it with light and love as I was able to explore in that, you know, in that black hole because shadows, you know, I was experiencing the shadows, but the shadows we can see in the shadows because, because there's light. If there there has no to be light, light be no shadow. shadow. Yeah, I get that. Right. And I'm thinking that really the foundation, the H for healthy expression of emotion is what allows for that next piece. Absolutely. You have to start there. I love the fact that you started with that because that does give a place for light to be possible. Because um, suppressing emotion is not like you can pick and choose. At least that was my experience of it. You know, if, you're, if I'm suppressing the anger, I'm also suppressing the joy. Absolutely. And that was a huge lesson that I learned. Um, and I didn't even realize how much anger I had been carrying um, until one of my sons said, hey, mom, you know, I heard that uh, you should just write about anger, like that, um, depression is repression and anger turned inward and you should write down about how angry you are. <laughs> well, I thought that was silly. I'm not angry, but I thought I'm going to do whatever I think can help. So I sat down and I wrote, I am angry that, and this is just whatever came to mind, <laughs> like five pages later, I went, Oh, wow. Hmm. A little bit of anger there. <laughs> All right. So we've got H for healthy expression of emotion, A for allow forgiveness and compassion, which allows for gentleness. Mm -hmm. What's P? Okay. So the first P is personal empowerment. And what I mean by that is focus on yourself on those things you have control over, which starts with emotions and thoughts and things like that. Because what happens is, and I know for myself, I was fixated on trying to, to you know, make everything in my life and everybody else perfect, okay? And I wasn't looking at myself and so situations and circumstances and people and trying to fix them. And then I, you know, could 
just couldn't do it. But when I started to look at myself and I started, you know, with the, with the H of, of healthy emotions and allowing for forgiveness and compassion with myself and, and focusing on those things that I could do for me, that was huge. That was a huge shift because I started to see myself less and less as a victim of situations and other people, but as a creator. And, and that's a huge paradigm shift because when we, when we look from a victim perspective, things are done to us mm -hmm. and possibilities are extremely limited. But when we look from a creator standpoint, the possibilities are almost endless. Mm -hmm. cool. So that's, that's my version of personal empowerment. Cool. And so the second P? The second P is passion and purpose. And this is, um, you know, finding if you're not sure what it is, uncover it. Because everybody has passion and purpose. Everybody's here to do something that, you know, only you can do. I didn't, I didn't know, uh, you could have never told me 10 years ago that I would be writing poetry and I would be a best-selling author and like, pff, are you kidding me? But, but I, I did this, um, this exercise in 2012 and it said, something like if I have a magic wand and it didn't sound crazy, I would dot, dot, dot. And I wrote, be a writer because I thought that was the craziest thing I could think of. <laughs> Got it. I know I am. <laughs> you know, sometimes crazy is, is where we're headed. And crazy town is not necessarily a bad place to go because it's such a relative term. All right, mm -hmm. so we've got H for healthy expression, A for allow, P for personal empowerment, P for passion and purpose. Next letter is I. Next letter is I, and that's inspiration. So basically, I feel like we are all um, part of something bigger than us, but that is part of us. And so if you call it spirituality, if you call it religion, what? Mm -hmm ever grounds you in that way that gives you inspiration to me that is a necessary part of life and it has been um it's been huge in my journey and um i mean i i do meditation i do visualizations uh you know so whatever feeds your soul. Cool. Whatever feeds your soul, whatever inspires you. So finding what inspires me. There we go. I'll make it personal. Finding what inspires me. And I love the fact that you made it about something bigger than myself because it wasn't until I, I say my purpose tapped me on my shoulder because I sure as heck was not prepared for it. So just if people haven't found their purpose, I'm going to say, hey, don't worry. Your purpose just might find you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's really, really true. So that's lovely. 
something that was so big that I could not do it myself is, is where I ended up. And so that's what inspires me. Okay. I want to make sure we get through this and can answer some questions. So what is the E? Okay. So the E is exercise and self-care. So basically feeding your body, right? And um, feed it healthy food, um, exercise, sleep. That one was a struggle for me because um, I'm so busy doing that I would stay up late and not get enough sleep, right? But um, all right, if anybody else has has sleep challenges, because I'm, you know, I've been in this entrepreneurial world and, and we're, we're both, you know, now that I have my purpose of considered mission driven accent on the word driven. Um, if you don't sleep much, pop it into the chat. We're going to we might have to start a, that as part of the perfectionist hub. <laughs> so my tech support person says she hasn't slept a lot recently. Go figure. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, once in a while, these things do happen, okay? Mm -hmm. But um, talking about consistency and momentum, and that brings us to the last one, which is the R. It stands for routine. Ah. And it's not what you think. Oh, good, because you were about to lose me. I was going to check out. Yeah. <laughs> routine? Routine is no, really do hard for me. All right. So how did you, as, as a perfectionist, I could imagine a routine could be a nightmare. So, right, how did so you I gave myself permission. I don't have to do it every day. This is day by day, day by day, moment by moment, whatever you can do, just build momentum and focus on the progress of the H-A-P-P-I-E. Okay. That's the routine of it. So it's kind of, you've got the bookends of the emotions and then like, as you're able, sometimes you don't feel like it. I've been, I've been sick for the past couple of weeks. I think you can hear in my voice. And so it just hasn't, um, I haven't been doing as much of my routines, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still doing portions of them, but I, I gave myself permission not to do something every single day. And um, that was really important as a perfectionist because in the beginning, I felt like I was failing if I didn't do something every day. And I realized it's about the momentum so that I keep it up so that I, I basically keep myself habitually happy. Habitually happy. I do love that. All right. So how to go from perfectionism and depression to habitually happy in seven simple steps. I think that's a great title. Oh, and speaking of great titles, Elizabeth, you put together at a wonderful gift for everyone who is listening and everyone who's participating in the show. So I'm going to have Katie drop that into the chat and it'll be in the show notes if you're listening to this. It is your healthy habits checklist. So I loved it. Seven lessons for lasting joy. And so this is just such a wonderful thing. And I like easy to follow formats. Okay. Not that I have any perfectionist tendencies, but, you know, following from dot to dot to dot is so much easier than having to figure it out on my own. Absolutely. I'm happy to share what worked for me and hope that it works for you. 
That's such a wonderful gift. So let's see. All right. So we covered the seven habits. You, this is, I was like, I'm listening to you and I'm going, oh my God, this is the LSD of our generation. Lonely, sad, and depressed. It is a very different kind of drug than what was in the previous generation, which was a psychedelic. This is a psychodrama kind of drug, you know, a psychotrauma drug with this combination of loneliness, sadness, and depression. And I'm wondering if we may have the cure for it in this checklist and in these seven healthy habits that there's a way to come out of being lonely, sad, and depressed because those three states, and they are three distinct states for me based on my own experience as a depression survivor, these mean a lot to have them put in such a simple way to realize that it could be a lifetime pattern. It could be circumstantial or and it could be a lifetime pattern and it really doesn't matter. Go on the happy or journey, following those seven steps, grab the healthy habits checklist, follow the seven lessons and take advantage of this gift from Elizabeth. So that's my heartfelt statement to everybody watching or listening. And Elizabeth, let's see, what else can we do? We can answer any questions and we can absolutely continue. Now, best-selling author, what's the title of your book? Um, From the Shadows, A Journey of Self-Discovery and Renewal. And it has 55 of my poems in them. Woo! Um, I'm going to be releasing this year another poetry book of poems that didn't make it in there. That was That's Escaping the Shadows. And um, the one all about multi-generational motherhood guilt memoir. Um, so I'm involving my mother and my grandmother and a great grand aunt in with my stories. And it's all about forgiveness. So that's the light within freedom through forgiveness. Ah. And, and I will make the um, habitually happy a book. Yeah, it, it wants to come out. So <laughs> All right, so in any mothers in the room who deal with motherhood guilt, just know that help is coming. But in the meantime, grab the healthy habits checklist. It certainly can't hurt. Yeah. Should I share um, my great day song for the great day? Oh, absolutely. Cool. All right, so for those of you who don't know, the, the roots of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society are the Make It a Great Day movement. And so- I love this song, please share it. All right, Um, today's gonna be a great day. Today's gonna be a great day. Today's gonna be a great day cause I'm choosing that way. No matter what they do or say, I will step from the fray, learn from bumps along the way cause my mind sets a play and that's why you'll hear me say today's gonna be a great day today's gonna be a great day because i'm choosing that way fears concerns will hold no sway toxic self-talk will i slay 
my self-care keeps them at bay because my mind sets at play. And that's why you'll hear me say, today's going to be a great day. Today's going to be a great day because I'm choosing that way. Life's no longer blue and gray. Sun shines throughout the day. Come what may, love leads the way. Cause my mind sets at play. Given thanks while I drift away. Today was a pretty great day. Today was a pretty great day. Cause I chose that way. Woo! All right. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you so very, very much. Uh, this is the power of a live event because with you having been sick and you were concerned about your voice, and yet that was beautiful. So here's to the power of being on purpose. You never know what's going to happen. Elizabeth, thank you very much for joining us today and for being a part of the suicide prevention movement and supporting the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. Cannot thank you enough for all that you have given today and for the gifts that you have given to everyone. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jackie.